You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. It's good to see each of you here today. We're going to continue our discussion, our celebration of what we started last Sunday, a Palm Sunday. Um, And we're going to continue that this morning with the finality of the triumph and the trial last week. This morning we celebrate the trial being over and him being risen. So would you do this with me? You don't have to. You're not not puppets. You're all adults and children and have your own thoughts and wills that God's given you. But when I say he is risen, would you be willing to respond and say he is risen indeed? So let's try that real quick. So kids especially, this is your part, all right? Kids, I need your help. Mom and dad may be too shy to do this, but kids, I know you're not. All right, so when I say he is risen, you'll say he is risen indeed, okay? So he is risen. He is risen indeed. Fantastic, fantastic. So last week we, we did celebrate Palm Sunday together, and we did, we did so extravagantly, I feel like. Uh, if you weren't here, I'm, you missed out. I'm just sorry. <laughs> you did. <laughs> we had great time of worshiping together through song. We had the Word of God. We had communion. We had a baptism. We had a meal. And a celebration it was. And in that celebration, hundreds of years ago, thousands even, when Christ rode into Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover week, there was a celebration. There was a celebration in that. And and just to review a couple of quick things, what we talked about last week, in case you did miss out, and I am sorry you did, the people were celebrating a lowercase triumph. They were celebrating what they thought was the freedom of earthly slavery, of being oppressed by the Roman government for hundreds of years, over 400 years, possibly more. They were celebrating the opportunity that, that maybe this was the final, maybe this was going to be our new king, our, our Messiah king even, celebrating that, but not really fully understanding what that truly meant. And yet, Christ was gracious in accepting that triumph. Even though they, they did it with, for the wrong reason and the wrong motives and a misunderstanding, he still graciously received their praise, their celebration, and they waved the palm branches like the, the giant number one foam fingers that we're familiar with today or the cell phones or lighters at the concert. And, and they shouted and they celebrated and the Pharisees even came in and said, hey, get them to be quiet. They're going to start a riot because they were worried about the Roman government and the officials coming in and squelching the riot and, and taking more control over them. And Jesus responded, Hey, if they're not going to do it, the rocks will. Inanimate, non-living pieces of matter that Jesus created would yell out and praise him if the people don't. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want a rock to show me up. Okay? I hope you don't either. That triumph in the trial that Christ went through that week, 
So while celebrating, receiving that praise, knowing he was going about to embark on the most horrific trial that any person, anyone, has ever gone through in eternity past or will go through in eternity future. Death on the cross, separation from God the Father. And yet, he still rode in. And, and we looked at his example on, on his example of doing this. And yes, he's a son of God, but the way he did this is the same opportunity and way that we have as believers today. He didn't, he didn't do it with 10,000 angels like the song said. He accomplishes through the same way that we can, the same resurrection power that we have available to us. And he did this through being rooted and grounded in God's promises. He was rooted and grounded in them, not only because he helped write them, <laughs> he did, but because he knew them. As a child, he knew the scriptures, he studied it. I can, I can imagine, even though scriptures isn't blatantly clear about this, but I can just imagine that Joseph and Mary would be teaching him scriptures and, and Jesus being like, yeah, I did say that. Thanks, thanks for teaching me, Mom, Dad. I did write that. And Jesus stepped away and prayed as well. It says that he often stood, he often withdrew by himself to pray. And if the Son of God needs, chose to step away and pray, how much more should we? How much more should we? He was rooted and grounded in God's promises, and then he believed in God's promises, and then he did the next right thing. He got on the donkey and rode into town. And sometimes that's where we're at. Where we're missing that person that we love dearly who's outran us and is already home with Jesus. Or life is just, everything is falling down on you, whether it be another huge rainstorm and i got to clean up again from the rain and the flooding or it's financial pressures or it's a job loss or it's, it's a marriage if it's family members, or whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's just the next right thing, the next step. And sometimes even the next breath. But to do it. And a place to start. A place to start. If you don't know what to do, the next right thing is always serving somebody else. To get our minds off of ourselves and what we're feeling not to neglect it, not that it's not real feelings, but to serve somebody and do that part of the great commandment of loving God, loving others. So this morning, we are going to read Matthew chapter 28. And this, in the book of Matthew, this gospel, the account of the resurrection of Jesus. And while you're turning there, he is risen. He is risen awesome. Love it. We should, have, we should have excitement for today, unlike, unlike any other day of the year. It should be bigger for us than Christmas, kids. It should be bigger for us than Halloween or Valentine's Day or, or even our wedding anniversary, as fantastic as that can be. This should be the biggest day of every year for believers. This is off the cuff. This is for free. I was thinking about proposing to my wife, hey, let's, let's, let's do presents on Easter instead of Christmas next year. <laughs> but, 
I'll, I'll probably get vetoed on that, but. <laughs> Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Pause for a second. Who were the first people to see the empty tomb? Women. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? To the Old Testament, you see where a woman who's also created in God's image and an image bearer, equally important to man, how, how mankind had messed that up along the way. And God is here, not only with his resurrection, restoring that by the women being the first ones there and to proclaim the news. I just think that's awesome. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. That is what it's like to be in the presence of God. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here's a guy. They hadn't even fully bought in that he was the Son of God yet. And they're literally in the darkest, most depressed moment of their life. They'd, take, they'd given up everything. They had followed him, walked the road with him, went hungry, slept on rocks, forsake their jobs, their careers, their status in society, and all of a sudden he's dead. Those would have been a long three days for these guys and girls and ladies. And then he shows up. Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Talk about a snot fest. I mean, <laughs> the bottom of his robe would have been covered. I think of these things. I'm sorry. <laughs> then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Guys, if this passage is true, if Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, he has all authority over life, over death, over sin, over Satan, over you, whether you believe in him wholeheartedly or not, in me. You see, everything that we believe in and everything that we're doing, what we're doing here this morning, hinges on his resurrection. That is the foundation of it. Because without it, it's for nothing. If he did not truly rise from the dead, then yeah, he was just a great guy that did some cool things. And that was all. But on this day, we celebrate that Jesus Christ accomplished the payment of God's wrath for our sins. You see, 
why this is such an exciting day for those of us who believe in him. And for those who don't yet, why it should be for you. It is the day that he paid for our sins. You see, one sin keeps us from having a relationship with him. Because God is perfect. And if there is anything, he can't be around. His presence cannot be within. It's sin. And our sin, one choice, causes that. All we had to do was be born. I mean, babies are cute most of the time, right? And they're awesome and they're snuggly and cuddly, but they're the most selfish creatures on the planet. Wah, feed me. Wah, I can't sleep. Wah, change my diaper. Wah, me, 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 right? They don't even know what they're doing and they're the most selfish things on the planet. I think that's why God made them so cute. So we'll, we'll keep taking care of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're born sinners. We have that in common. Every one of us. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your bank account says. I don't care what color your skin is. That is common for all of us. The wages of sin is death. It says so in Romans 6.23. You see, when you, when you go work for somebody, you earn a paycheck. When we sin, what we earn is death. Romans 3.23 tells us that we are all sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's only one restitution or payment that can be made. It had to be the perfect sacrifice. It had to be God's Son. The death of the perfect, righteous, holy Son of God on a cross. Tim Keller says, <clears throat> says this about the resurrection in his book, The Reason for God. He says, each year at Easter, I get to preach on the resurrection. In my sermon, I always say to my skeptical, secular friends that even if they can't believe in the resurrection, they should want it to be true. If you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's a pastor in New York City. He's got a church there. Recently retired, but he's pastored there. Continuing on, he says, Most of them care deeply about the justice for the poor or alleviating the hunger and disease and caring for the environment. Anybody know somebody like this? And they don't know Christ? But they're all hung up on saving the trees, saving the orphans, helping people, different things, which are, which are good things to do. <clears throat> Yet many of them believe that the material world was caused by accident and that the world and everything in it will eventually simply burn up. They find it discouraging that so few people care about justice without realizing that their own worldview undermines any motivation to make the world a better place. Why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end nothing we do will make any difference? However, if the resurrection of Jesus happened, that means there's infinite hope and reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. You see, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, without him having authority over all things, we're just accidents. And I don't know about you, but I like to think I'm a little bit more important than an accident. We did not evolve. God created us. 
And here's, here's some reasoning for you in this. Whether you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not, with the right motives, when we give, when we serve others, we feel good having done so. If we were accidents, we would not feel good having done so. Darwin himself tells us that in survival of the fittest, if evolution is true. Why would we want to help anybody else if evolution is true? Why would we have a good feeling from that? We wouldn't. We would not. Because it would be all about how can I survive? How can I be better? How can I be bigger? How can I live longer? Whatever it takes. However many bodies are bobbing in the wake behind us. But see, Jesus infused this into our DNA so that when we serve somebody else, so we love on them, even if we're an unbeliever, when we give and we serve, we feel good about that. And guys, that's, that is Jesus revealing himself to us even in just our DNA. Yet many throughout the world, and, and even I suspect in this room this morning, we don't believe in the resurrection authority of Jesus Christ. In spite of this, in spite of everything being for nothing, if there's not a resurrection. Some outright reject that it even could have happened at all. Some subtly reject it just by choosing to not surrender to Jesus. Yeah, he probably did that, but I'm not, I'm not into that religion thing. Uh, you know, there's, there's just a list of rules and stuff I don't want to follow. I don't want to get caught up in that. And even for those of us who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, do we subtly reject him when we choose to sin? Do we subtly reject the resurrection in those moments? that we think that giving into that temptation, choosing that sin over following him is more important. Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 and 19, the Apostle Paul is saying here, and if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Guys, what's the point if Christ did not rise from the dead? What's the point? How can we go through loss and grief and the trials of life without that hope? I don't know how. Those who don't know him do it. Having just lost one of my best friends this last week, I don't know how you can go through those things and survive and take the next breath or the next step without the hope of knowing that Jesus Christ makes all things new and all things good and knowing that my brother is in heaven celebrating and rejoicing. I don't know how you can do that. In verse 20, Paul goes on, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. How can we be sure of this resurrection? How can we be sure? Is it just because it's in the Word of God? 
Well, yeah. But also, I don't know if you guys have taken the time to do this or not, but we all should. It can be proven. There is more evidence concerning the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that can be proven in the court of law than most criminals are convicted with today in the, in the court of law. There is more actual, physical, archaeological, secular, and biblical evidence that can prove this. And I don't have time to go into all that today. But a starting place, read The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Just came out with a movie even. If you're like, yeah, I don't read books. Watch the movie. <laughs> okay? Because here's a guy who was an investigative journalist. And that was his whole job, was investigating criminal cases in the city of Chicago. And he was good. And he was an atheist. And he said, what is this deal with Jesus? What is this deal with the resurrection? What is this all about? Well, I'm going to go about and try to prove this thing. Or prove against it. He went out to originally try to prove against it. Like, there's no way I can believe in this. And I'm going to show everybody else they're wrong and they're idiots. Well, throughout his investigation, he came to the place of what I just said. And I believe wholeheartedly, through my own study and my own research, that there is that evidence to prove that. And it boils down to, how are we going to respond to that evidence? See, if we choose to reject Jesus Christ, the burden of proof to support our rejection lies squarely on our own shoulders. I mean, what are you betting? Yeah, eternity. What are you betting? Is it worth not proving this? We are betting everything. And yet, we will take more time to research what kind of phone we want to buy next. What kind of TV? A house, a car. You name it. We'll spend more time investigating and researching those things for something that we want for ourselves as opposed to what affects us for all eternity. He is risen. Amen. And because of this, because of that evidence, because of what the Word of God said, His written Word of God, we have hope. And Jesus Christ has authority over all things. See, Jesus has resurrection authority over life and death. He was a creator. Genesis 1.1 tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, it's talking about God, Matt. Wait just a second. John 1 tells us that Jesus was there with him. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Here's another hint of God putting this into our DNA. 
after it's rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and it's been cloudy and gloomy and the sun comes out, what happens? Driving home from work, everybody's windows are down, their music's up, they're singing along. We all look like idiots singing our favorite songs as we're passing each other, especially in Northwest Arkansas where I live. There's way more traffic to watch people do this. It's awesome. Everybody's doing it. The dog parks, the bike parks are filled up and overflowing. And even though there's mud, they're about their tromps around in it. And the dogs are jumping on them. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's awesome for you and your clothes and your laundry. But it's in our DNA about the light and how it gives us joy and happiness. Jesus is the light in the darkness. He was the creator and he has authority over creation. He spoke and it was. And he's, he created us individually in the womb. In Psalms 139, he created our inward parts. He knit us together, our cells, the molecules, the atoms, the, the DNA. Each one of us as individuals. And all of our days were written and planned even before they began. They are that important. And he is that sovereign as a creator and has that authority. And he has authority over death. He determines how many days we have on this earth. He determines how many days he was going to be on this earth. In John 10, 18, he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. We can't do that. Yeah, there are tragic cases where people think they are. And they are tragic. And they are horrific. And please, please, if, if that's even entering your mind right now, this, this isn't in my notes. I just feel like I need to say it. Talk to me. Talk to somebody you know and love. There's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose, and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But there is peace, and there is hope. It's not through me, it's through Jesus. And he loves you. And he desires to know you, to have a relationship with you, not to slap a list of rules of do's and don'ts on you. He is risen. Jesus Christ has resurrection authority over sin and Satan. Perhaps like me, or maybe you're there right now, there's been a time in your life where you felt like you were a slave to sin. That there was that one thing that just kept, no matter how hard you tried, no matter what you did, it just kept tripping you up. You just, kept, you, just, you just couldn't shake it. You just couldn't get rid of it. But because Jesus Christ paid for those sins on the death, because he rose from the grave, he beat death, he arrested it, as we sang, there is power over that sin. And it's not on us to overcome. It's because he has and so we need to switch our minds from thinking about, i got to quit doing this, I can't do this, no, 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 I can't do this, and switch it to God has authority and a power over the sin in my life. And he has overcome. And I'm going to focus 
on him and who he is in his promises because he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, I can do all things through him because he strengthens me. He says, my old self is gone and dead. I'm made alive and new in him. And believing in those promises, we can overcome and focusing on the promises instead of on the not doing the thing. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He has resurrection authority over life and death. He has resurrection authority over sin and over Satan. He is risen. And Jesus Christ has resurrection authority over you and over me. Whether you are in a personal relationship with him or you are not, he has authority over you. If you think that he doesn't, it's because of his grace and him allowing you to make your own free will choices. Because he's not going to make robots that are forced to love him. He's going to give us a choice. So you can't love without also the opportunity to reject. And he's given each of us in his grace and his mercy that choice to make. And yet, he still has sovereign, ultimate authority over each one of us. See, the question is, will we all submit to Jesus Christ as Lord before it's too late? Or after it's too late. Because we will all submit. Philippians 2, 10 through 11 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, he made us. He has authority over us. And yet in his grace... And love, he gives us a choice to reject him. And yet he still chooses to save us and bring us back when we blow it. And he gives us chance after chance after chance, infusing it into our DNA of a conscience, of, of feeling good when we serve other people, of when, when the sun comes out after a week of clouds and rains and, and we feel joy and we're wondering, why? Why is this? It's because we're not accidents. It's because he loves us, he created us, he had purpose for us. Will we submit to him now while the choice is still ours to make? Or will you wait until it's too late before you bow your knee to him? I like how David Platt illustrates it, this, this, uh, the idea of submitting to God and believing in him. And he says, if I could ask the devil a series of questions and get his answer, he would ask Satan, hey, do you believe in the Bible as the word of God? He would say, yeah. I do. He would ask Satan, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Well, yeah, I know that, obviously. 
Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again? Yeah. Yeah, I tried to put a stop to that, but I can't deny that he did. He whooped me good. He would ask Satan, do you believe Jesus is the only way to be saved? He would say, yes, I know that. Satan, would you commit to live a moral life and come to church and even get involved in leadership? He could even say yes to that. But if we were to ask the devil if he would confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and surrender to his will, he could not say yes to that. And therein lies the difference. You see, we can, we can trick ourselves into thinking and serving others and getting those good feelings that, that I, I'm earning my way. I got this. I got this figured out. So is Satan. The difference is a surrendering of our hearts and our wills to Jesus Christ as our Lord. That is the difference. You see, it's, it's not a magic formula. It's not magic words. It's a heart condition. He is risen. How will we respond to that? You see, the real question is not... Did Jesus exist? I believe wholeheartedly that that can be proven. The real question is not, did Jesus willfully go to the cross to pay for our sins and die and be buried and rise again? See, I believe wholeheartedly that that can be proven as well. And I challenge you to prove me wrong. I don't think you can. I mean, I'm betting my whole life, my eternity on this. But I would challenge you to do that. I'm not, I'm not scared of you disproving this wrong. I'm not, do you think God's scared of that? No, he's not. The real question is, what will our heart response be to his resurrection authority? Will we fully surrender to him? Will we give our lives to him? Or will we reject him and live out life without purpose and meaning. Tell me one thing on this earth that will give you long-lasting satisfaction. Yeah, you can go get drunk. How do you feel the next day? Yeah. You wish you hadn't. <laughs> you wish you weren't still breathing. You can go out and buy that brand new nice car or house or whatever. How do you feel about the first time you got to maintain it or pay insurance on it or make that first payment or somebody at the Walmart parking lot goes, eee? <laughs> it's a thing. How do you feel when that friend, that spouse, that child, that parent, that whoever hurts you? You were putting your hope in them. Guys, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to try to not, as my kids say. We're going to try to not. But it's going to happen. 
It's going to happen. You see, if we reject Christ, we accomplish nothing more than leaving a minuscule carbon footprint. We're fertilizer. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. But if Christ did rise from the grave, and I believe he did, will we surrender to him? Will we surrender him wholeheartedly? Will we give him everything? What's in it for us, Matt? I can't promise that you'll be rich if you do. There's no guarantee of that. I can't promise your life will go perfect. It won't. So why, Matt? What's in it for me? Well, because he is the only one that can satisfy you. Because he created each of us as he was knitting us together in our mom's wombs and putting our cells together and, and forming our DNA. He left a blank spot. And that blank spot inside us can only be filled and make us complete. Forget Tommy McGuire, whatever that movie was, Jerry Maguire. Only he can complete us. Only he can complete us. And see, and it's only him in our lives, us surrendering to him and serving him and loving him, can we feel true satisfaction on earth. And even when things stink, and even when things are hard, and even when your little brother or sister kids is just wearing you out, and mom and dad don't know what's going on inside you, if they could just even, even in spite of all of that, God knows. And he can still give you peace, and still give you hope, and still give you an anchor to hold on to when storms of life come. And so this morning, as we close our celebration of Jesus Christ being risen from the dead, because He is, because He is, how will we respond? How will we respond? Will we continue living out a worthless life of no meaning? And accomplishing nothing? Or will we surrender to Him and serve Him and love Him where we can only feel and be satisfied? Romans 10, 9-13 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. There will be no fools on April Fool's Day who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The fool is on April, the joke's on death, the joke's on sin today. Gary Duke texted me this morning and said, hey, I won't be there, but you need to tell him this. He said, tell him they're not April Fool's, they're Heaven's Jewels. And I said, I like that, Gary. I'll share that. 
since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, race, gender, socioeconomic class, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <clears throat> so the guys are going to play a song this morning. And I'd just like to have that opportunity for you. I would just like to have that opportunity for you to just have the opportunity to come up to pray. If you want me to pray with you, I will. Um, if you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love more than anything, not for my own benefit, not so that I can mark a notch on this belt, but so that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because that is the hope and the blessing. Because He did rise from the dead. He is risen. Amen. So pray. If you don't need to come forward because you already know Him, pray. Pray for those who might.